Live ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into this edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. It is game week. East Carolina taking on Michigan this coming Saturday in the big house. We'll get into that throughout the week. We've got an exciting week of programming for you. We are live on YouTube, live on Facebook, live on the IBX Media app. Download it now in your Apple Play Store, Google Play Store, and check us out wherever you go. You can download, listen to the podcast version, listen to it live, listen to the Patrick Johnson show, whatever you need. The Logan Zone is back. That debuted Friday. Steve Logan back on the radio, so it was good to hear from him. And We've got a guy that used to coach under Steve Logan in studio now. He is former ECU offensive line coach Steve Shankweiler, now the director of high school and alumni relations. Coach Shank, uh, if you were still the O-line coach, I don't know if you'd be able to join us now in studio. So I guess this this is a perk of your new role, right? Yeah, I just I just passed the O-line coach in the hallway, and he, he's he's I'm in a much better mood than he is right now. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, he's got to worry about blocking uh, Michigan's uh, beasts up front right. this week and, and putting together some moving parts. So we'll get into you know maybe your take on the game as well coming sure. up. But just want to talk about your new role and also uh, talk about your time at East Carolina and you know many. Many, many great days, many great games, and you've been a part of several upset wins as well over the years for this Pirate team, so we'll get into maybe your keys to victory as we move forward. Uh, but let's talk about your new role, uh, Director of High School and Alumni Relations, and you're still involved with the program. Every time I see you out of practice watching, uh, taking notes, kind of looking looking along from the uh, from the, the sidelines. So uh, how, how has this transition been for you? You've been in coaching a long time, coaching firsthand, so has it been a lot to get used to? Well, it's been, you know, it's been 48 years of doing pretty much the same thing every day. And uh, <clears throat> when when uh, when I decided to do this, um, I went to Mike and we talked about it and, uh, at length. And I still wanted to stay involved in the program. And I felt like there was a, a void uh, in dealing with our former players. And, and you know, and obviously you got to have continuous access to high school coaches. And, and having been here, you know, for 19 years, uh, I feel like I know a lot of people, or at least they know who I am. And I felt like it was kind of a twofold plan that we could put together that uh, that I could continue to be involved and I could, you know, continue to help the program. But I felt like it was time to get off the field. And, uh, you know, those birthdays start to creep up on you and you start to look at those numbers and they're a little bit uh, skewed in the wrong direction now. So, uh, but it's, it's going well. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of help from uh, people in the Pirate Club that uh, getting access to, to the guys. We've updated a lot of our databases, and we've gone from a relatively small number of former players we were commun- communicating with to now it's it's a it's really a it's it's really a very large group. You know, close between fifteen hundred and two thousand. So <clears throat> we're making a lot of progress in that direction, and and uh, and hopefully. Uh, you know, I can be the conduit to those guys staying around the program. You look at your coaching background, you, you you have to rank, if not number one, right up there as far as just length of tenure, most success as far as an assistant coach at East Carolina. I know at one point you are very close to becoming the head coach here. So so you've touched as many players in this program, I think, as any coach ever if you look at it overall. So how much do those relationships help you in this role? Well, I think it's huge. You know, when you think – 
the first year I was here was 1987. <clears throat> so pardon me. Uh, so you've got you know you got guys that you know from from the senior class of '87 all the way up to 2023. Now I wasn't here for every group, but I touched every group either leaving or coming back, and and I, I think that's really important. What the thing that you know that East Carolina you know is is known for out there in the world. We're, we're known for a lot of great things academically. We're known for the med school. We're known for the fastest growing university, you know, in the state. But, we're, you know, the, the thing that's kind of your front door is your football program, your athletic program. And we are really known, you know, for football, okay, and the successes we've had over the years. And it's been a great story. And what we what we got to be careful about, we, we can't lose touch with all those guys that help make it that way. And, and so as coaching positions change, as graduation comes and goes, oftentimes players, as they move on to their life, they lose connection because they don't know anybody. Right. And so I think that's kind of where I felt like I could help is that so many guys, you know, I have a relationship with for such a long length of time that uh, that I can encourage them to be, you know, get back, come, come to the games, come to practices, be part of the family. Uh, and I think, uh, and I think we're we're stepping in the right direction. And obviously, w- when you're coaching and coaching full time, you have your own room. I mean, you guys are working seven days a week, sun up to sun down, and obviously you're still working hard now. But now you actually have the time to reach out to these guys, make contact, and you know h- how much feedback have you gotten thus far? As far as you know, maybe some of those players. And, and I talk to former players all the time on the show who who say, hey, I want to get back. I just haven't been able to. So how much feedback have you gotten on maybe getting some of those guys back to campus? Well, I think what happened was between spring practice and the start of our Michigan preparation, just the number of guys that showed up for practice or during the summer, during our summer camps, stopped by on their way to the beach or or whatever Mm -hmm. just to say hello, you know, know, because of our relationship. And and I think that, uh, you know, ECU football, all football programs, you know, you know, they're all family oriented, but but ours in particular because we've had such a such a, a climb and such an unusual history that that uh, it, it's been it's been neat. And you know, I'm not the I don't raise the money, I don't do any of that, you know. And and if that's a byproduct of what we're doing, then that's great. But uh, they're such a valuable asset to us, and it's been it's been really well received. Steve Shankweiler in studio with us, Coach. Do you, do you miss being out there coaching uh, when you're out there? You know, kind of watching practice, or, or do you? You know, are you kind of enjoying the break? I, I did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Game week, <laughs> right? Game yeah. week here. Not I went preseason out camp. Yesterday, I went out there and went. Golly, Pete. You know, this right. is this is real now. But uh, I miss the I miss the teaching. Right. You know, I, I love teaching the game to to players. I, uh, but w- one of the great things that, that when 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 Coach Houston allowed me to do this, you know, I'm in the office every day. Okay. Now I'm not in the office till ten o'clock at night, but I'm in the office every day, and so I get to see the guys. You still have a relationship with the staff, you know, and and then from a football standpoint, what I'm doing for the offense is I'm kind of like the week ahead guy. Right. Okay. Like right now, I'm studying everything there is to know about Marshall's defense. Okay. And then the next week, it would be, I guess, App State or whoever, you know. So I'm always going to be a week ahead so that when the game is over, when we come back in Sunday, I can present, okay, here's a basic 
summary of what they do and who their players are so that when we go out Sunday night to practice, the guys, the coaches can give the guys a, a, a real legitimate depth chart, a real legitimate, okay, let's don't go out here and just run around and, and kill time because, we, you know, we haven't studied them. You know, somebody's already studied them. We, we, know, we know what to expect. So let's go work on the basics uh, of our next opponent. So that side of it's been fun. You look at coaching staffs now and all the support roles, which you're in now. Sure. And how much has that changed since you first got into coaching? Because now there's other former head coaches on staff. Obviously, uh, former head coach of the Citadel has rejoined Mike Houston in a support role. Shane Montgomery's here. He's been a head coach. So uh, I'm sure all that helps Coach Houston and the full-time on-field staff. But just the just the growth of those roles is crazy. Well, take it a step further. When I first got into coaching, I was in charge of the weight room. <laughs> and then at the next stop, I was in charge of academics and tutoring and study hall. And so everybody had all these duties that have since been farmed out to other people. And then I think, too, the influence of the NFL, I, I think, has been huge. I think, obviously, Coach Saban got it going with the massive staff concept. Uh, and then, the you know, what you do. Re- recruiting has become so big that position coaches don't have time to do all the research and do all the, the film study of, of, of thousands and thousands of, of recruits, you know, so, you know, the game has gotten, it's gotten big and, and so forth. The employment levels have gotten big. I know I talked to a group not long ago. If you take, if you take the States that just touch the Atlantic ocean that we recruit. Okay. And, and again, you know, you can look at New Jersey Okay, do we recruit all of New Jersey? No. Okay, but we've signed players out of New Jersey. Do we recruit all of Pennsylvania? No. But, you know, we've signed – well, we signed a quarterback, I guess, out of Ohio this year. or We got one committed maybe. And so you start to look at at <clears throat> all the states that you touch. Well, there's – of those states all the way down to Miami, there's 4,500 to close to 5,000 high schools. Well, you got to have an army of, of guys to do the research for you for sure. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how much it's grown. Steve Shankwiler in studio with us, ECU football director of high school and alumni relations. Let's get our first break in. We'll be right back with Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We'll talk Michigan. We'll talk some O-line personnel and more. Of course, Coach Shank has coached many of these guys. We'll get his take on some of their growth this offseason. All right, we'll be right back. Hoist the Colors. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Armageddon! Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back in to this Monday edition of Hoist the Colors. It is game week. It's been a uh, it's been a long offseason, but it's also going by kind of fast. And now that it's here, it'll fly by. September 2nd, 12 noon, East Carolina at Michigan. And we've got Coach Steve Shankwaller in studio with us he is now the director of high school and alumni relations at ecu and coach have you have you watched michigan at all just to get a feel for what saturday might be like and any any thoughts on them I mean, obviously ranked second they're they got to be pretty right. good yeah no i've spent a lot of time the summer studying michigan and uh just to you know give again like we talked about earlier give a a first day presentation to to our offense and you know, I mean, there's a reason why they've won the Big Ten two years in a row and beaten Ohio State two right. years in a row. And uh, there's, there's, I mean, they're awfully good. And um, I think, you know, I think they've done a great job of recruiting the kind of talent you'd expect a Michigan to have. And, and then the program he has in place has developed them. And uh, so it's obviously going to be a heck of a challenge. You've been part of several 
what you would call upset victories. ECU going on the road against a so-called bigger opponent and winning the game right. and, and playing and maybe at times catching those teams by surprise. In, in your experience, what is the biggest key for an ECU team, whether it be mindset, philosophy, to go on the road and, and you know make this game interesting and have a chance to win? Well, I think there's probably a, a lot of factors right. that factor into it. You know, one, the, you know, the play of the opponent. Uh, you know, if 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 a really really good opponent is playing really really well, then uh, you know you know that factors into it. But I, I think over the years, I think probably there have been a couple things that stand out at me. You know, we've always managed to score points. We've always managed to make something happen in special teams, whether it be a you know a punt return or a kickoff return or a, a block punt against Virginia Tech and Charlotte. You know, there's always been something that that we steal a a chance to, to, you know, maybe a possession, you know, and and I think, you know, the de- defensively, it's always been just kind of hang on, just just hang on, right. don't don't, you know, don't you're not going to win the game in the first quarter, so just keep playing hard and, and hang on, and and the offense, if you know, if the offense can move the ball and score some points, then you know you can kind of flip the mentality because all it takes is something real positive on our side to, for the kids to to kind of go, okay, you know, this is real, we we got a shot at right. this. And so I think, you know, and I've been blessed and been fortunate enough to be on some of those teams. And, and uh, you know, the ebb and flow of a game isn't always going to be – it's not always going to be the way you want it. But just stay the course, stay fundamental, do the things you're coached to do, and then in the end, you know, you'll have a chance to win it in the fourth quarter. I believe it's 108,000 is the uh, attendance, or at least the expected attendance for Saturday. So uh, just a, a huge stadium and a, a big, big platform. Have you ever ever coached or seen a game in the big house? Are you no, excited? No, my, my son's been there, I think, twice. And yeah. he, so he's he's hooted me the fact that I think he's undefeated there. But uh, uh, no, this will be, be a treat. And, uh, you know, but once it's kicked off, it's kicked off. We're all playing football. Right. It's 11 on 11 at the right. end of the day. And, you know, somebody's trying to tackle the ball carrier and somebody's trying to get into the end zone. So looking forward to seeing what that environment is. And I think a lot of ECU fans will be making the trip as well from, from those I talked to. And, uh, Coach, let's talk about some of the guys you, you recruited, you've seen develop in this program. And um, Hampton Ergel got the, the scholarship after last year's bowl game when they also right. made the, the announcement. Uh, that, that you were stepping back uh, from the coaching role, you know, came in as a walk-on. Mm-hmm. And I remember early, very early in, in his time here and your tenure, I asked you, hey, are, are any of these walk-ons, are they going to have a chance to be, you know, any good? And you mentioned Hampton Ergo his freshman year. Obviously, that turned out to be a pretty good prediction. So what was it about Hampton that led him to this point? Well, I think there's some, some things about Hampton that kind of stand out even to a layman. You know, one, he's, you know, he's at least 6'5". Right. And uh, he, you know, he bends well. He's flexible. Uh, he runs well. He just, you know, coming out of high school, he wasn't as developed as some of the other kids were. He was kind of a late maturing guy, uh, which is typical of of guys that come in as, as walk ons. But you always knew that that he had a chance if we could, you know, get him in the weight room and develop him, which we have. Uh, the mentality. I mean, he's like a he's close to a four zero student. I mean, the kid's bright. Uh, he loves the game of football, and you know those intangibles with hard work and development have have obviously paid off. But he's typical of that guy that you, especially with linemen, that uh, you may you may have to take early uh, out of high school. That you know maybe they're not quite strong enough. Maybe they're not quite tall enough. Maybe they're this or that. But they got something about them that you know in the end. 
if they work hard, it, it, it'll it'll pay off for them. For you being in the coaching industry, is that you know with all the, the stuff that goes on these days, and we're seeing it now with conference realignment NIL, like stories like that, and we saw Jari Patterson get on scholarship as a transfer mm-hmm. from Marshall, who started as a walk on. Is that kind of what? makes you want to stay around uh, this business and coach and, and be a part of it it's all about the it's all about the people it's all about the players and the game is about the players and you know we as coaches get you know we get way too much credit and way too much blame but uh, it's it's about seeing those guys that have dreams uh, that, that that hang in there stay with the program bring some fabric and substance to the to the table uh, that's what makes it worthwhile Steve Shankwaller is with us. When you look at Hampton, I know he's worked at tackle and center this preseason. Is he has he got to be one of the biggest centers you've ever coached when he's when he's playing there? <laughs> he's absolutely the biggest center I've ever coached. But you know, we we were you know we were in a bind. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've without getting into the past and the lack of depth and all that, we you know we 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 were in a bind at center, and so you know my philosophy was has always been that we try to take virtually maybe not all but virtually every guy that plays guard and we teach him to play center at least to snap it because uh, the positions are really so intertwined they're really the same and uh you know he he had kind of a knack for it because he's a pretty good athlete and um you know all of a sudden our starting center doesn't show up for the bowl game and uh luckily we had made that transition with him a couple weeks earlier and uh you know he went out there and you know i think he had I think he had one bad snap in the, in the bowl game and hung in there with a guy that is playing in the NFL right now. So, uh, so it worked out well. Hey, you look at the interior offensive line right now, working under Coach Mogridge. A lot of these guys you, know, you recruited, including Hampton, potentially playing in there, could play tackle, like we said. But uh, Isaiah Foote coming back, and I know he's just dealt with a little bit of a shoulder dating back to last year. But you look at him and Richard Pierce and Jacob Sacra. Um, he, I would assume Coach Murray has to feel pretty good about the interior offensive line, especially with some some transfers coming in as well. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I think probably you know so many things affect your, your depth chart. You know, but you know the COVID year, the COVID year set us back a little bit because of the linemen that we brought in that year. Really, Richard's the only one left, and uh, with the departure of another offensive lineman after spring practice. Uh, gave Richard a chance to move into the starting unit, and he is really, I mean, I'm tickled to death for him. He is really, you know, developed. He's really bought in, and, and so he's he's got a chance to be, you know, a, a really good productive player for a first-year guy. Now, he's been here two years, but it'll be his first year of really playing. And then Isaiah, you know, played the whole year last year. People saw him come out of games all the time. You know, he is tough for a lineman when your shoulder pops out every time you have to stick yeah. your, your hand out there and grab somebody. But, you know, it's just, uh, you know, we got it fixed during the off season. So, you know, right now he's healthy. And uh, and then Jacob, you know, Jacob, you know, he's kind of my guy. You know, he's he's just a great kid, and uh, it's time for him to step in there and play because he, he certainly has the ability to do that. I wanted to ask about Jacob because when he, you know, he came in as a highly rated recruit and it was right. a good recruit recruiting job by you guys. But then as he was getting set to enroll, I, he lost his father. Unfortunately, I remember that. I, I talked to his uncle at the bowl game last year and um, just a, a really sad situation. But for him to come to school, you know, right after losing his father, from from your perspective as a coach, how much did you kind of embrace him and help him through that time? Well, I think we all did. Yeah. I think that uh, I think it was important for him. 
to be with us. Uh, I know his mother uh, was very, very encouraging for him to get here and get in the program. You know, she is a she's been involved in athletics all her life, and um, you know, so she has an understanding of what it can do for a guy to help him overcome some things. And and it was hard. You know, you're going away from home anyway, and then all of a sudden you're going away from home, and you, your dad just passes out of nowhere. And uh, so, but but Jacob is uh, he has matured a lot, and uh, uh, he's he's a tough kid, and uh, I'm proud of him, proud of as I can be of him. When you look at the, the <laughs> offensive tackle position, uh, Parker Moore coming back, everybody knows he's kind of slated to open as the the starting left tackle. We talked about Ergel working there. Uh, Walter Striblin's another guy who's been in the program. How do you feel about that position as you kind of watch it from from afar under Coach Mover? <laughs> well, <laughs> if you. If you if you turn on any NFL preseason game when they talk about the offensive line in the NFL, the first thing they talk about is what are we going to do at tackle? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough position to get. It's uh, they can't find them, and yeah. and it's difficult for everybody to find them. But uh, you know, Parker, you know, obviously came here two years ago. He started at West Virginia, uh, came in here last year, played a ton of football, and has really, really, we got him. You know, uh, Mo has put him on the left side where he's mo- most comfortable, and 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 has really had a good camp. Uh, uh, he's he can play, and then it's been kind of a battle on the other side, just trying to, you know, Walt's been here for three years now, and and you know he's a, he you couldn't find a tougher kid. You know, it's just a matter of he's just got to go play. You know, well, there's one thing about practicing every day, but uh, you know you, you can lift weights and you can go through spring and all that, but you got to get out there and play. So. You know he's gonna get his chance, and then, you know we we had a couple of transfers come in, you know, and uh, they're obviously involved in it uh, in 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 the rotation, and so you know uh, I'm I, I think we'll be fine. It's just gonna be a when you lose when you lose four out of five starters, okay, and and it's not like last year we were in games that we were just where the score was just really lopsided, where you could play a lot of people. Right. And so what happens is you've got guys that are developing, but they don't have that game experience. Well, so now you lose four out of your five starters, uh, and then your fifth starter has off-season surgery. Uh, it, it really opens up the avenues for all these kids to say, okay, it's my turn. And I think that's been kind of the – Mentality that Mo was, uh, you know, gone into camp with him. You know, say hey, it's time. Yeah, there's a reason why you recruited here. Okay, let's go do it. And a lot of these guys who are stepping into those roles, potentially like Richard Pierce, they've had you know a couple of years to develop. I know I know Saker's only a second year guy, but he came in bigger than most. Right. Uh, right. So ideally, like, how is it two, three years? Like even a Stribling, <clears throat> he's been developing three years now. So like, is is that kind of the ideal time frame of hey, we want to redshirt a guy? Give him a year or two, and then hey, it's his turn to go play. Well, I think it's all relative, to, you know, really to where what kind of program mm-hmm. you're in. I, I can't speak for Michigan, you know, but I'm sure it's relative to them too. It, it does take <clears throat> it does take two years, you know, for a guy to say, okay, I can go out there and play and compete. You know, you know, the luxury to say three years, but that doesn't ever happen anymore. But uh, it, the the first year, the speed of the game. The you know especially for big kids, uh, the pass blocking is so different than it is in high school. Uh, understanding body leverage, which in high school I don't know that you really need to do because you're 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 the biggest guy out there. You know you're going to kick his butt no matter what. And so learning to block people that are faster than you are, that are more athletic than you are, 
and 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 learning how to play, how to get your body in in positions to block people is going to take two years. You know, I've always told uh, my guys that you know we're asking you to play the most unnatural position in sport, all sports, because you don't see the object of the ball. Okay, your back is to it. We ask you to pass block a guy that's running four six straight ahead, and you're going backwards. And then we're going to ask you to move a 300-pound man against his will. You know, he doesn't want to get moved. And so to learn the body leverage and all the fundamentals it takes to do that and develop the toughness it takes to do that, it takes time. It really does. When you've looked at, at Coach Mogridge at practice, uh, how much have you enjoyed kind of seeing him, uh, you know, work his methods into the mix? And everybody does it a little differently, but also y'all do have some similarities as well. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, you know, football's football and, and – you know, we have some common background, you know, uh, in, in our careers, uh, just people we've been with and associated with and follow that kind of thing. But it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a, if, you know, when, when you went to school, you know, let's say you took calculus. I don't know if you did. Maybe you didn't have to. Uh, you know, I don't know. If I did, I've already forgotten because <laughs> I was terrible at math. But, you know, you, know, you have a, a professor that teaches a calculus class. All right, but then you have another professor over here that teaches the same class. It's the same math, but how they teach it may be two different ways. And so that's kind of the way it is because really all we are is teachers. And, and so the things that one coach emphasizes to get to the final point versus what another coach emphasizes to get to that same final point you know, may be different. And, and, and that's where I've enjoyed kind of just having a clinic – out there every day i don't like to hang around the offensive line because i just i don't i don't want to do that but i do enjoy watching you know someone else teach some things differently you know to get to the same result and so it's been you know it's been a learning experience for me also steve shankwire's in studio let's get our second break in we'll come back we'll continue to talk with coach shank We'll hit again on his alumni relations. Got some uh, special things in store for some former football players he's in contact with. And also got to get to our East Coast Agency Pirate of the Week. Some big preseason performances over the weekend. We'll hit that on the other side. You're listening to Hoist the Colors, 94.3 The Game. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back into this Monday edition of Hoist the Colors on Game Week. East Carolina and Michigan coming up this Saturday. We've got Steve Shankweiler in studio. We'll get back to him in a second. Got several things to tackle with him. Let's first bring you our East Coast Agency Pirate of the week, so it's been a uh, it's been a busy preseason for former Pirates, and a lot of guys have made standout plays. Of course, we we highlighted Holton Aylers last week. He had a good drive that unfortunately ended with an interception and a potential game winning drive at Green Bay this past week, but still a solid showing uh, in his one drive of the week. But this week's East Coast Agency Player of the Week is going to be Blake Prohl, the former Pirate. ECU receiver had a career best professional outing, five catches for 45 yards on five targets in Minnesota's preseason game. It was the final preseason game of the year for Blake Prohl, but his best outing thus far. Uh, He's had some playing time in the first two preseason games, but not nearly as many targets or catches. And so I don't know if Blake will make the 53-man roster. Those cuts are due by Tuesday at 4 p.m. Of course, he had the unfortunate knee injury earlier in his career when he looked like he had a potential 
spot on a roster in Vikings camp. But if he does not make the 53, I think he's put himself in position for a potential practice squad spot, also putting up some film for other teams as well. And hey, if that doesn't work out, he's also got a music career now. So uh, I, I don't know if you've been following that, Coach Shank, but uh, there, there's a lot going on with Blake Pearl these days. i tell you what, I wish I was about 23 years old and catching passes, and then eh, if that doesn't work out, I'll go sing a little bit. Right. <laughs> he seems to be in a good spot. By the way, East Coast Agency brings you our Pirate of the Week. Stay protected this hurricane season. With East Coast Agency, your trusted independence insurance partner, when the storm hits, you'll be glad you chose ECA. Their comprehensive insurance plans are tailored to keep you and your loved ones secure. Remember, it doesn't matter who your agent is until it does. Call ECA or or call ECA at 910-446-5061 or visit them at their website at www.eca-insure.com. Again, East Coast Agency bringing you our Pirate of the Week, Blake Prohl. And it's cool to see a bunch of former Pirates in preseason and camp, the most we've seen in years, Coach. And uh, a guy you coach, obviously, Deontay Smith with the Bengals. So do you try and keep up with those guys uh, as well? Yeah, I really do because uh, you know, part of my job is, is obviously you know former players. So uh, I try to keep everybody posted on what those guys are doing. But, you know, it's 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 a dream come true, you know, for those guys to have that shot. And uh take a little death for them and uh, that's what everybody strives to be and 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 it's a it's a great opportunity for them so steve shankler is in in studio with this coach i gotta be uh the first on air at least to wish you an early happy birthday uh tomorrow mm. is your birthday mm. and you you can say what age you're, you're gonna turn mm. if you want to but no, we can, they can we can look, if they really want to know they can look it up <laughs> it's uh but i didn't realize it till looking at your your bio on ecpirates.com so happy birthday appreciate you taking some time to, to come in and maybe you can get some time to actually enjoy it this yeah, year maybe we'll see <laughs> I'm, I'm not a, we're at a point now we don't enjoy them quite as much right well maybe we'll, we'll still wish you happy birthday because uh as somebody who's now over 30 i'm already feeling old so i'm uh i i rarely get to enjoy my birthdays anymore so we'll we'll still wish you happy birthday so appreciate it um so coach shank you just finished up your your fourth tour of duty as far as coaching at East Carolina. And you know, again, we've talked about your new role, which we'll get into a little bit more later. I wanted to ask you this because you, you had the four different stops and are five different coaches. You've It's been different situations each time. Right. This time, obviously, you took over a program that had come off three straight three and nine seasons. Is, in my opinion, probably as down as the program had ever been. Was this the, the the toughest of your four stops as far as coaching and just trying to rebuild it? You also did the same thing under Skip Holtz after the Thompson era. Um, just your opinion on where this one ranked, maybe compared to some of your other stops. Well, you know, uh, you don't want to again throw people under the bus, but and, and there's so many factors that go into these things. But I, I think probably what we walked into here, what five years ago now, four years, five years. It was probably the probably the most difficult, you know, in that, you know, the timing of things, you know, when I was here with Coach Baker, um, you know, we were during that period of being independent and playing, you know, everybody that's anybody, and because there were so many independent schools back then, but we had some really good players, and then uh, when when you know, so the transition of Coach Lewis. You know the bulk. Truthfully, the bulk of that of that uh, Peach Bowl team was recruited by Coach Baker's staff. You know, so that transition wasn't as difficult. It was more of a, you know, a mindset. You know, I guess is probably the best way to put it. And then, you know, when I came back here with Steve in '98, 
you know, he'd done a great job. He'd already been to two Liberty Bowls. So, you know, for me, you know, I kind of walked into a pretty good situation. And then, uh, you know, we came back here with Skip. You know, Coach Thompson had only been the head coach for two years. So a lot of those kids, you know, Coach Logan recruited, and I knew them. And so especially in the offensive line, I knew a lot of those guys because I'd recruited them. And so that transition was, you know, not easy for sure, but it was it was certainly, you know, a little bit smoother than what we went through here. And uh, it was just a, you know, it was hard on the kids here. It was just a, uh, just not a, you know, kind of a at times a toxic situation, I guess. And uh, so we, you know, the th- the thing I know about Coach Houston is record proves that, you know, his foundation of what he believes in. Uh, is the guys that have been successful here before, you know, they kind of the term, they got it, they understood this place, and that's the way Mike is. He understood this place and what it would take to bring these guys back. A lot of recruiting, a lot of development of toughness and work ethic, and that's what he's all about. Uh, and it was, you know, obviously a struggle, uh, but uh, I feel like we've got, we, you know, we've, we've really turned the page. And, uh, you know, so this, this one's been kind of, a sense of pride, I think, for me, because this, I think, was was probably the most difficult. And to, to go out with a big bowl, bowl victory over Coastal Carolina, right. um, and you know, first bowl win since 2013, a span of nine years. Kind of talking about that, you know, tough downturn there before you guys got here, and you know, to to kind of be able to step back from coaching at a place you love. And, and I wanted to ask too. Four different stops, which I, I don't know if it's a record in college coaching, but it feels like it should uh, be. It probably um, is. <laughs> you know, what, what What was it about East Carolina that always brought you back here uh, as opposed to, you know, you've, you've been other places, but what was it about ECU and now you want to, you know, live here as well? Well, you know, the paycheck won. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a couple times I needed yeah. the job. But, no, it's always been a, a, a really, truthfully, it was always a very positive reason why we came back here. Uh, and 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 I think that, you know, you're you're a little bit of well, not a little. You're a lot of a victim of where your children were raised. You know, so all of our children, you know, there's 12 years between the oldest and the youngest. There's a 12 year difference, which is a pretty large difference. But they all graduated from Rose High. You know, they all basically they they all kind of grew up in the same neighborhood, maybe a different house, but you know, the same part of town. And so this this community has been always been. You know, from a personal standpoint, a place that we call home. You know, uh, grand grandkids live an hour away. Uh, you know, and you know, old friends. You know, from from past times here. You know, we're still friends with. So that just made that comfortable. And and you know, and truthfully, and, and I'm not trying to sound corny, but you know, how I feel about this this university and what it's done for for my family. And how I've seen what it's done for this community and this part of the state, I, I think is just a, a story that's that's just unbelievable, and and I'm blessed to be part of that. So, in our profession, to be you know to be able to say, okay, I've had enough coaching, all right, but where do I go? What do I do? Well, you know, here I am in the town I want to be in, where you know where my wife's happy, you know, and, and my children come come visit easily and this is their home and then for you know coach houston and 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 john gilbert to put together a job for for me that i could go still be part of the program i am blessed beyond uh not many people in our business get to say that 
So is Court? Is he still involved in uh, in coaching now? Yeah, he yeah. sure is. He's uh, he's the offensive coordinator at Long Island University. Uh, he's uh, he's his his rent is really high, and his <laughs> apartment is really small. I bet so. But man. Uh, but he's he's doing well. Uh, Ron Cooper's the head coach okay. there. Yeah, and you know Ron was uh, on Bill Lewis's staff for at least a year, uh, probably just one year. But that's where. You know, I got to know him, and we've worked together a couple different places. And so it worked out that when he got the job, the first guy he hired was Court. And so, uh, you know, they got a big game this week, just like the rest of us. When you look at East Carolina and the, the landscape of college football now, Coach, and I don't know, like it, it, even reading some, some Michigan writers, like they refer to – they prefer to ECU as Eastern Carolina, and, they, and, and they're not part of the team, but they're just trying to cover the team. And like you look at conference realignment, and ECU at times gets ignored, and I just, it's frustrating, I think, for ECU fans because they know the passion and how much this place means, as opposed to when you go to play another team in the conference that has a bigger market and no fans are there. Like, is it frustrating as a coach who's been around now to, to other stops that maybe East Carolina doesn't get the credit it deserves as a football program? Well, there's no doubt it doesn't get the credit, but I think all these decisions, uh, you know, are being made for reasons other than passionate fan base. Right. They're being made for uh, reasons other than, uh, you know, that uh, football is so huge in, in this in this part of the world. Uh, so, and I think that's one of the negatives about what we're seeing is that we're losing – we're losing the concept of how reason why we all started playing football to begin with, and it's turned into such a monetary issue that uh, you know uh, nobody nobody can put a better fan base out there than we can. No one can put a football team out there that plays harder and tougher than we do. But you know that's that's not what uh, you know that's not necessarily what the cranks the dollar amounts in uh, in those decisions. How much did you have to deal with the NIL stuff in your your last few years of recruiting? Uh, are you glad that you're, you're you're at least not having to deal with that on the front line? Yeah, that's a real positive <laughs> of, of me getting out of coaching. To be honest with you, it really is. No, it's uh, I, you know I'm one of these guys. I'm I've always been in favor of the kids getting as much right. as they can get. Uh, you know, but uh, just like anything else, you know, money can be the root of all evil and. You know, people, when it comes to money, they're going to find different ways to manipulate the rules and manipulate the, the opportunities and use it to their advantage. And it's just uh, right now it's the wild, wild west. It is crazy. So take us through your, your schedule the rest of this week. With, with You mentioned kind of obviously you'll be helping out some with, with future opponents. Do you, you know, sit in, give any notes or feedback on practice or Michigan heading up to the game day? Kind of what's your, your role this week? Well, it's kind of this. It's, it's a first-time role, so right. we're all, I'm kind of feeling my way through it. Right now I'm just really heavily involved in, in Marshall. Okay, I'm, I'm going back through all their games last year and – you know, taking film clips and, and, and getting a presentation ready for, for Sunday. Uh, and then I'll, you know, then I'll flip gears, you know, uh, Thursday, Friday before we go up there and uh, do the best I can to help Donnie in the box and, and see things that uh, that maybe maybe I can see that uh, that can help us help us get a first down. You know? right, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see this offense. And, and Coach, you've been around uh, these guys and, you know, the media, the fan base, we make such a, a big – big point of oh well Holt Naylor's is gone Keith Mitchell is mm-hmm. gone how is ECU going to replace these guys but and I, I, you may feel the same but I feel like the talent of this roster top to bottom is as good as it's been under Coach Houston it's just we haven't seen them on game day so maybe there's not that name recognition like from your perspective as a coach who's recruited developed seen some of these sure. players develop do, do you feel similarly I, I think it's the I think it's the most athletic 
team that we've had since we've been here. Uh, and, and that's position to position. Right. Uh, but I think you hit the nail on the head is that, is that you know, you got to go play. And uh, so I think, you know, the, from, from a recruiting and development standpoint, we are, we are light years ahead of where we were four years ago. Uh, you know, but, but you're right. I mean, these guys have not played. And, uh, but, you know, that's why you recruit. That's why you have right. a weight room. That's why you develop these kids. That's why you, you know, that's why you coach them. And, and um, as people say, that's, that's why they call you coach. Let's go. Get, get them coached up and let's go. But, no, the talent level is really, I think, at a, at a really solid level. And uh, really excited to see how these kids do this year. All right, let's get our final break in. Steve Shankweiler again with us in studio. The birthday boy tomorrow. Uh, he, he will come back and join us for a final segment here on Hoist the Colors. We'll also get back into his role as the director of ECU football alumni. We'll talk about that as we close up the show on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. How good is this? On 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into Monday's edition of Hoist the Colors, 94.3 The Game, live on Facebook, YouTube, IBX Media App. If you got a question before we get out of here, drop it on or tweet at us. Tweet at Coach Shane. Coach, are you, are you still monitoring Twitter these days? or you just No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't know with your, your new role if you're spending more or less time uh, on Twitter. A lot less, I promise. <laughs> there you go. It's Coach Shane uh, telling it like it is. Well, let's get into your uh, – you know, we talked about your role earlier. You're the point of contact for ECU football alumni. So let's say if we have a former player or anybody who wants to, uh, if they're getting in touch, if they want to get in touch with you, where can they go? Or you know, to, well, to you can, uh, yeah, I've, uh, you can obviously go to our website and uh, you know at the office and and I'm you know email or, or phone either one. And what I what we're really encouraging guys to do is uh, we've we've increased our email. Uh, database by well over a thousand uh since uh april and uh we're sending out you know a newsletter once a month uh you know that should should get to everybody and we're just encouraging everybody to be part of that you know as as we've done as we've gone through this process as you talk to guys that used to play there's some things that you know everybody would like to see us do do better whatever and and we're making some progress in that area and uh we've got uh you know, there'll be an announcement here in the next day or two or three. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna work out a pass system for former players. You know, to come on the sideline or come in the end zone sideline before the game. Uh, that'll be a, a, an issued pass uh, that uh, an email will go out like Monday prior to the game, and it has to be in by Wednesday at five o'clock because it's a limited number of passes. Uh, a guy's got to be a member of the Pirate Club or the or the Letterman's Club. You know, it's, you just you got to be you got to be a member. And and then we're working on a spot for them uh, pregame that they can congregate, uh, you know, around the stadium. So we're working on some things that uh, I think will help encourage guys to come back. I've done a lot of research um, uh, with some friends of mine that have this same job at, uh, at it may mostly at ACC schools and kind of followed their pattern. And and so. Uh, It'll be it'll be a work in progress, but it'll be something I think that'll be you know really looked upon well. How much are you in contact you know with some of the administration just about getting their help to set these things up versus yeah. you know just the football side? Yeah, because I'm not I'm not into logistics, right? Uh, so 
you know, uh, but the Pirate Clubs, you know, JJ and, and then Danielle and the Pirate Club, they've been great as far as just, okay, here's how we need to do this and here are the logistics. So, uh, you know, like my newsletter I send out, I, I get the pictures, I write the letter, and then I turn it all over to her, and, and right. she, she knows how to put it together. So, um, you know, that way I'm not, you know, just totally involved in all that. I can still work with football. But, you know, it's something we need, something uh, we're excited about, and, and our players, you know, you know, past, present, they all mean a lot. And uh, I know we've got, um, the, you know, Marshall coming to town, uh, the 1970 team that was uh, the team they played before the plane crash. You know, there's going to be a, a dinner the night before the game and, and, and for those guys and, you know, to uh, come back to ECU and be part of it. And so um, we're trying to do little things like that that uh, hopefully will get guys back involved. Steve Sankwire in studio. we got a couple more minutes before we wrap up today. So we've talked a lot about the, the offensive line personnel and obviously tough environments open in. So as a coach, how do you do your best to simulate what they'll be facing as far as communication on, on Saturday? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certain they're not going to be able to hear each other at times. So is it, you know, silent count, that sort of stuff? How do you do your best to simulate that? Yeah, we're not – we don't use verbal count much right. anyway. And so that, that you know, and the, the advent of the clap, it's amazing how a clap can be heard right. through, you know, through a, a jet plane flying by. It's uh, – but I think what you do is you focus on, uh, you know, you focus on – on really keeping your communication, you know, pretty simple. Uh, you know, obviously we're at the line of scrimmage, so the guys have a lot of chance to talk at the line of scrimmage, you know, as opposed to being in the huddle and then going up to the line, then trying to figure it out. But yeah, there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's communications that uh, that the old lines got to got to be able to handle. But uh, listening to how Mo's teaching it, I think is, I think they've done a great job of keeping it simple. And you know, I think that the key to it is keep things simple and play with great fundamentals if you do that you know then you know that's that's the name of the game and so that'll, that'll give you a great opportunity to be successful well coach this has been a lot of fun appreciate great your, to be here. your time uh, over the past hour and uh, i always learn something talking to you so i appreciate your insight and and it, we'll, we'll get you back on at some point and i uh, hope you hope you enjoy your birthday and have, Thanks, have some good uh have some good downtime this, this right. season as well, well. Let's beat Michigan. That'll be a, that'll be a birthday present right there. Hey, if, if the Pirates beat Michigan, we'll have you back next Monday. We might have to do it every every, <laughs> every Monday. I'll be here every Monday. I promise. <laughs> All right. He is Coach Shankweiler. Appreciate his time again. He is now the director of high school and alumni relations for ECU football. So you get in touch with him if you're a former player looking to come back. All right. This has been a fun program. Tomorrow we're going to have our ECU football roundtable. Philip, our producer, will be making uh, some predictions along with former ECU tight end Joe Sampson. He's been in the studio the last couple weeks, so we'll be making some predictions and have a lot of fun there. On Wednesday, we've got Cliff Godwin in studio, the ECU baseball coach, and then we'll have more Michigan coverage later this week. All right, we got to get out of here. This has been Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We'll talk to you Tuesday at 12 noon. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 94.3.